0: And as they make their way um, to class or back to their families, we'd love for you all to stand as you are able, as we come to God's word. Now there are four accounts of Jesus' life in our in our Bible: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now Luke is called the great physician. They think he was a doctor. He was always so concerned as he portrays Jesus in his life about how he healed others, about how he sent others to do these amazing miracles and God's kingdom represented the healing of people and the acceptance of people. But listen to this when he when Jesus sent 70 ahead of him. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I'm sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking, whatever they provide, for the laborers deserve to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the deeds of power done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But at the judgment, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will be brought down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. And whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watch Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, "I thank you, Father, Lord of Heaven and Earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father or who the Father is, except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then, turning to the disciples, Jesus said to them privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you have been connected with Living Waters over the last few weeks, you know we have been talking about how to live a full life. You see, Jesus 2,000 years ago when when he came to people, he told them this crazy promise. He said, I came so that you may have life and have it abundantly. Now Jesus was not talking about The balance of your checking account. Jesus was not saying get ready for retirement and that's going to be the abundant life. No, Jesus was talking about having a life of real meaning, having a life of real purpose, and yet there's so many times, I don't know about you, but so many times in my own life that I feel like, am I just going through the motions? Am I prioritizing what God thinks is the priority? Am I doing what God hoped for me? And as people talk to me, as people share with me, I feel like we, we are trying desperately to fill our lives in all kinds of ways of meaning. And yet, we've, so many people still feel like we're missing the boat. So what we've been looking at over these last three weeks are the mission of Living Waters. So we have a mission statement here. And if you're a part of Living Waters, this is your mission statement too, but I truly believe, whether you're a member or guest today, if we really look at that mission, it's a mission that could give us lives of meaning, lives of real purpose. So two weeks ago, we talked about what it means to really know God, not just to talk about God, not just to once in a while come to church or grab your Bible or check it out on your computer, but to actually experience God and have a relationship with him. That's a first step in a full life, actually knowing God and knowing he knows you intimately and still loves you. Last week we looked at the second piece of our mission statement, which is growing. Now everyone, I think, wants to grow, but what does it actually mean to change and to get uncomfortable and to do it together? It's growing together. So knowing God, growing together, and then our third component, our last component of our mission statement, is actually reaching out, and not just reaching out, but reaching out in the love of Jesus, Now, I want to tell you that we have an epidemic in our hands, right here in this church and around us. So here we have the gift. Did you see all the kids here this morning? What a gift they are for us. Thank you, parents. Thank you, grandparents. It is amazing. We have something that not many churches have around us. In fact, it was so fun to be a part of the all-in small groups where I got to meet so many of you over the summer. And in those small groups, I had people that were retired, and one of the things they mentioned is they want more of them, more people their age. And we all laughed because we said, how many churches actually have that issue, that we need more people that are silver-haired? And I'm like, silver-haired? Aw. That hurts. But we have an epidemic. You see, out of all the denominations, out of all the different ways of serving and loving God, Lutherans, Methodists, Baptists, um, non denominational, Catholic, out of all of them, up until age 13, how, what is the one denomination has, who has the most active children in their church? Do you know? Which denomination out of all of them is the most active until age 13? Lutherans. What? Oh, you're right. It's Lutherans. Wow. You guys are good. Guess who has the lowest participation after age 13? Lutherans. Do you know why? In our faith, we confirm them. We teach them that somehow they've graduated from their faith. In fact, many um, Lutheran churches, not ours, but many wear robes. I'm almost like, let's just play pomp and circumstance, have them move over the tassel and say, see ya, have a great life. We're the lowest. If we truly are reaching out and saying, we're going to make an impact for the world, first of all, it needs to start with those that we're investing in, our young ones, who are the church with us. That needs to change. Now, actually, in one of my churches in Painesville, I... It's crazy, but every once in a while we would have bats show up during worship, literally flying around. And during the year, during the year it was like once or twice a year I'd get a call or I'd be in my office and uh, they'd say, "Pastor Dan, we got another bat." And so I'd grab a butterfly net and I'd go and have to collect that bat. And it was one of my favorite parts of my job. But after a while, we actually licked the problem of the bats at Painesville Lutheran. You know how we did it? We confirmed them. <laughs> That's right. No more bats ever. They're gone. But there's a startling um, statistic that I want to talk to you about, though. If we really want lifetime, lifetime impact, and I think we do, we want full lives. I know we want that for our kids but if we truly want our kids to be active like we are right now, and I'm guessing that's important for you if you're here, what is the percentage you think that we confirm that 20 years from now are still active in their faith? So out of all the kids, we have 150 um, that are three years old up to fifth grade here at Living Waters. How many are still active? What's the percentage, you think? 20 years, when when they're hopefully parents. What do you think? 10%. Wow, that hurts. (laughs) 10%, that's a good guess. What else? You're thinking five. (laughs) Cynical people around here. What else? 60%. That's a more positive one. I see some nods there. Anyone else? You're actually pretty close. This is the percentage, 12. They've done a 40-year study. 12% still say their faith's important, that they know God that 20 years from now they're saying, I want to grow together in Christ and I want to reach out. That's our mission. 12%. It's an epidemic. I mean, honestly, that means out of what, we had all these cute little kids here, I'll bet there were 40 up here. That means about five of them will still be active when they're our age. It's an epidemic. Reaching out is something God talks to us about. We send people on mission trips. We sent kids to Denver and adults. They had an incredible life-changing trip there. But is it doing what we hope to do? Is our worship hoping doing what we hope it to do? Here's another number for you. 70,000. There's 120,000 people in Fargo. 70,000 aren't connected with the church. 70,000 people self-identify, that they say, I, "I, this isn't for me, I haven't been exposed to it, or it's not important for me. And so I wonder for you and me, what does that mean? If you're sitting here, maybe you're here with doubts. Maybe you have questions right now. But I'm guessing for a lot of you that God has impacted you. Something has happened in your life that has so shaped you because of what God has done that you're sitting here and you want to know God intimately. You want to know God's with you. You want to grow in your faith. And now what does it mean to reach out? Because I just said most of our kids aren't going to be active in the faith if everything stays the same. And then I show you that over half of the people in Fargo aren't Actually, even knowing who Jesus is. So, what do we do about it? I have a number that I think is even more important. That number is one. We can't do anything about 70,000. We can't do anything about a statistic. But we can do something for one. I want to share something, it's pretty personal. About 14 years ago now, during seminary, so that's that graduate school that we become pastors, I had the gift. It was to reach out. We're all part of our experience is to go to maybe another country or to another part of the U.S. on a mission trip, and it's part of a class. So I got to do that in Guatemala, of all places, a beautiful, amazing country, one of the poorest, too. And the little town we were in was a town called San Lucas Toliman. It's incredible. There's a vibrant Catholic mission there. God is so active. Now, the people speak Mayan and Spanish. I know very little Spanish. But I was able to be there. And during that time, it was a a particularly challenging time for me. You see, I'd ended a relationship, a significant one, with someone And I didn't know what was next. I didn't know, actually, if I should be a pastor, if I should continue going through it. But I went on this mission trip. My heart was shattered because of the guilt. I was actually in a depression. And I went. It was life-changing. If you've ever been on a mission trip, you know that this is the case. It changes us. Reaching out changes us. So I went with some seminary students. I didn't know them very well. And one of them, one of them, we formed just the biggest friendship. He's what I tell my kids, he's Uncle Matt now. He's a pastor. And we went, uh, there were so many amazing experiences, but one I want to share we went to a church service on a Wednesday night, just like our Wednesday nights here. It started at 6 o'clock. And like good Lutherans, we showed up at 5.59. And we didn't sit in the front, we sat in the back, because that's the best and we got there, and as we got there at 5.59, there was no one else there, because they were on Guatemala time, and Guatemala time is like me trying to get my kids to anything. You show up 20 minutes to half an hour to an hour later, so it was us and the worship band, and they were jamming, and we were singing, but it was only us, and they were singing in Spanish. We didn't know what they were singing. Once in a while, they'd say, Dios, oh, that's God, cool, um, and every, every other, I'm, like, I'm like, where's the biblioteca? Because that's what uh, high school English <laughs> taught me. Uh, high school Spanish taught me. But people started to trickle in. And about an hour in, seriously, 7 o'clock, maybe later, this woman comes in. And I kid you not, I just, I have to show you what happened. So life-changing. She comes in like this. <laughs> and I kid you not, I'm like, you've seen the Seinfeld episode of The Close Talker? I love you. That's what she'd say. You. She say that? No, she <laughs> smiled. And she said, "I love you." Trust me, guys, this is awkward for me too. It's painfully awkward. Look at he's like, "Don't come by me. Don't come by me." <laughs> Seriously, she came by us and was greeting us with this crazy smile on her face, telling us all point blank in our faces, "I love you." It was uncomfortable. And it was so contagious. And she went all the way to the front, which freaked us all out. And she was doing un things, like she was raising her hands and clapping. I'm like, I don't even know Lutherans know how to clap. And she was. And every once in a while during songs, whoa, Holy Spirit's really moving today. Every once in a while during that, she would turn during a song, and she would literally look at us and go, I love you! (laughs) Her name was Bonita, which means beautiful. She wasn't actually quite a looker, but boy was she. You know what I'm saying? Her love was contagious. Her love was beautiful. I'll never forget her. She was actually the one who spoke that night. She stood up, because the pastor, we're on a mission trip, the pastor was on a mission trip to the U.S., Irony. And she got up and she spoke. She spoke in Spanish, and they translated. And this is what she would say: Things like, My husband has diabetes. And as they translated, and he might lose his foot. But gracias a Dios. Thanks be to God because I have my husband. We don't know how we're going to pay for our next meal. But gracias a Dios, with a huge smile. Thanks be to God, because we're together. She kept going on, and everything she talked about didn't sound like blessings at all. They sounded horrible. And yet, after everything, with the biggest smile on her face, she would say, gracias a Dios. Thanks be to God. Now, I was supposed to reach out. I was sent on a mission trip to help people in Guatemala, and yet, in that reaching out, what happened? What happened? My heart, my heart was changed. And I built amazing relationships with the people around me, especially my kid's uncle, Matt. He became the best man in my wedding. Amazing man. I look up to him today. He's a pastor in Bismarck. A few months later, because of that relationship, I want to talk about one, and that one's me. Me. You see, we don't talk about it. Here's another epidemic in our churches and in our culture. We don't talk about mental health. Well, especially for guys, we don't ever admit. We just rub dirt on it and get back into the game, right? I had what they would call an event-induced depression. So much so, it runs in my family. So much so, though, that I was so guilt-ridden for ending this relationship that I decided one day that my life wasn't worth anything. I was in my apartment, and I thought about how I would do it. I planned out how I would do it that night. And a knock came on the door. And I sat there. Do I answer it? They knocked again. I answered the door. It was Matt. And Matt was in his workout gear, and he came in, and he's like, Hey, Dan, hey, I was wondering if you wanted to work. And he looked at me. And he said, Are you, are, are you okay? I said, No. And he said, Later on, he told me it was like walking into the cave, the tomb that Lazarus had died in. It's like he smelled death. But he sat with me. He cried with me for hours. He listened. He saved my life. Our connections save the lives of people. And they do it because Jesus loves us. Because of my relationship with Matt that had been formed when I was reaching out to others in Guatemala and met Benita and others. Because of that, he saved me. I truly believe that God came that God sent Matt into my life that night. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for Matt. He also not only listened, but got me to good help, got me as a guide to say I will go to a counselor. That changed my life. That helped me to see more and more gracias a Dios. Thanks be to God for everything, for every moment. I'm forever grateful for that. When Jesus sent 70 ahead of him to where he already wasn't, they didn't feel qualified. They didn't feel like they'd be able to do this. They didn't know what was next. And yet through reaching out, we know they come back with joy. They come back with the beauty of God's kingdom. They come back fired up, changed forever. They come back with full, meaningful, purpose-led lives because of what they witnessed when they were reaching out. I've told you it's an epidemic. You know it. So my question is, who's the one? Who's the one in your life? Is it a family member? Is it a coworker? Is it someone that God's placing on your hearts right now? I we have those bulletins. I'd love if you have a pen, write that person's name right now. God may be actually leading you to reach out to get uncomfortable. You could change someone's life. You could save someone's life today. You have that kind of impact. The world needs you. You are loved loved enough that Jesus died for you. And you're loved so much that you need to go out and get uncomfortable, to get uncomfortably close with people, to get in their grill, as Bonita did, and to tell them you love them. By the way, she didn't know English. She didn't know English. She learned how to say, I love you, so she could tell us that. That's what we need to do. to Say, I love you to people, to learn it the way they need to hear it. It's going to change the world, but it's going to change your life, and it might just save yours, too. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for, well, for people like Matt, for people like Benita. people who come into our lives, who change them. And God, I am so grateful for the way that you move through all of us, the way you move through people at Living Waters. So help us to have meaningful lives, to have full lives, to know you, to grow together through you, and to reach out in your name. Open our eyes and our hearts today to those around us, to that one. Help us to change their lives and to know that it changes ours. all God's people said.